Radio. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve listened to the voice of that serpent in the book of Genesis and disobeyed God, there was a cataclysmic event that we call the fall. It's the original sin, the sin that opened the gateways to all sin. And we talk much about, of course, how that sin affected um, us and God, our relationship with God, which of course had to be repaired by Jesus. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came and died and rose again so that he could um, remove that gap, if you like, between us and God, so that he could reconcile us to God. But something perhaps we don't talk about much is the effect that the fall had on the whole of creation. Because it wasn't just human beings that the fall affected. The fall affected everything. The fall affected the entire universe. And it meant that to a certain degree, this world that we live in now fell into darkness and is under the dominion to a certain extent at least, of the devil because of this broken relationship which we still experience the, the effects of even if there is a way out of it. And I got to thinking about that because of what our Lord says in the Gospel about money. He calls it a tainted thing. Money that is part of our everyday life, something we use every day, something we have to use in order to just get by. And yet our Lord says it's a tainted thing. He praises in the gospel the steward, not for his dishonesty, but for his astuteness. Other word might be his cunning, his know-how, his practical wisdom, if you like. And we've got to have that when it comes to money, because money is something that can seduce us. It's always struck me how in the gospel, when Jesus is being tempted in the desert, that the devil takes Jesus to the parapet of the temple and gives him a vision of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. In other words, the wealth of the world. And he says to Jesus that all of this has been committed to him and he gives it to who he pleases. There's that link between the devil, Satan, and wealth and riches. Maybe that explains partly why our Lord says it's a tainted thing, a tainted thing to be used and not to allow to use us. It's not a genuine uh, richness. Our Lord contrasts it, doesn't he, with genuine riches. It's something that appears like wealth, but is not. But we live in a world where uh, money makes it go round. And we experience the difficulty of living in a world with what's known as, in, in moral theology, structures of sin. Structures which seem right at the root sinful and that we're 
inevitably a part of, even though we're unwilling perhaps to be a part of them. We feed into these sinful structures. We keep them going. Think of the way that everything runs on profits, even our government, the way it operates. In the end, when it comes down to votes, who's going to get the most votes? The one who says that you are going to have the more money in your pocket. You're going to have more wealth. You're going to be richer. That's the one thing that people want to hear. Can you imagine if a politician said, I can guarantee you, all you rich people out there, you're going to be a lot poorer if we get into government. How quickly would they get elected? So it seems that injustice, the injustice that Amos speaks about in that first reading, is a part of this world that we live in. And so we as Christians in the world have to be very vigilant because our Lord, of course, again and again in the scriptures says that he notices everything that happens to the poor. He notices every single injustice. He will not forget them. He will not leave them. And of course today, so many people still trample on the poor. But again, it revolves usually around money because money brings honor, money brings power, money brings worldly recognition. Think of how we speak as well in our ordinary day-to-day language. We talk about those who have done well for themselves. And when we say that, we don't tend to mean, at least not in my experience, people who are engaging in great humanitarian efforts. We generally mean someone who's making a good living, able to get a good house, able to afford nice things for their family. And so we easily too fall into this worship of money, money as an idol. The Lord is very clear, isn't he, in the gospel. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot be a slave both of God and money. And although it's unusual to say it, we want to be slaves of God and God alone. What does Our Lady say at the Annunciation? I am the handmaid of the Lord, otherwise translated, I am a slave of the Lord. I am at one with the will of the Lord. So negotiating this tricky relationship between things, especially with ourselves and money, is vital as a Christian and important with regards to salvation. St. Paul in his letter to Timothy says that God wants everyone to be saved and reach full knowledge of the truth. For there is only one God and there is only one mediator between God and mankind, himself a man, Christ Jesus who sacrificed himself as a ransom for them all. So salvation is not something automatic in the way that Jesus talks about it. Jesus constantly speaks about the need to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim that he is the one God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. 
But what we often do, especially today, is we turn, for example, the possibility of salvation into a probability of salvation. So we can fall into, partially at least, a heresy which is known as universalism. And that's that in the end, everyone will be saved. There's even a theory that the devil um, gets a, a last minute conversion, which is of course against um, Christian doctrine too. But the idea that basically in the end, everybody will go to heaven, which is not the teaching of the church. If you go to the Second Vatican Council and go to the document of the church, Lumen Gentium, we read this in um, paragraph 16. This is a paragraph about the possibility of salvation for those who don't know Jesus Christ and don't know the gospel. The document says, but often men deceived by the evil one have become vain in their reasonings and have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, serving the creature rather than the creator. Or some there are who living and dying in this world without God are exposed to final despair. The need to proclaim the gospel on our part as the ones who believe and are convicted about the truth is vital for others. It's essential to the church's missionary endeavor because of course if there's no need for us to preach the gospel that can only be because there's no danger of anyone else not being saved of not entering into heaven and we read two paragraphs before as well as sobering reminder for us he is not saved however who though part of the body of the church does not persevere in charity. He remains indeed in the bosom of the church, but as it were, only in a bodily manner and not in his heart. So lest we be somewhat self-satisfied or presumptuous also about our own salvation, the church is clear that even though we can be part of the church, even though we can be baptized, if we don't persevere in charity, we too cannot be saved. So what might persevering in charity mean? Well, in relation to this weekend's gospel, what about giving alms? Use money tainted though it is to win new friends. What might that mean? Well, give generously. If you have more money than you need, why are you keeping it in your bank accounts? Why are we not giving it to those in need? This is not something someone else can tell you to do. This is something we have to come to our own conclusion about because only we know how much we really need. Only we can discern what the Lord is asking us to give. But remember about eternal life. Remember that the Lord sees our hearts he knows what is within us. What else is persevering in charity? Well, preaching the gospel, preaching the truth, not necessarily what people would like to hear, but what is truly for their good, because to love is to will the good of the other.
and another thing that comes from our second reading, petitions, intercessions, thanksgiving. I had to smile when um, Dot said politicians for one point instead of petitions because I thought, yes, if anyone needs prayer today, it's definitely our politicians. So that was an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Dot, today. How much does our world need prayer? How much do our parishes need prayer? As well as that practical love that we commit to as Christians. Yes, we live in a broken world. Yes, we live within structures of sin. But what really makes a difference is our choices, our decision to convert, our decision not to follow the crowd, our decision to be one with Jesus Christ, who came for sinners and not for the virtuous. As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate.